0: Now, by the way, I wanna talk about where we're headed tonight and why we're going this direction. Uh, uh, As we come on Wednesday nights, one of the goals we have is to go even more in depth. I hope we always go and give you depth, but we wanna be more in depth. We wanna have this be a time that all of you who are Christians grow in discipleship. And if you're someone who's asking questions, we at least give you some good answers. Maybe not all the answers you need, but at least some good ones. So uh, I had something happen to me and Tracy had something happen to her years apart because uh, I'm a lot older than her. Uh, But what happened, we both went to Cal State Fullerton. We both did graduate work at Cal State Fullerton uh, to getting towards a graduate degrees. But here's the thing. I was in a graduate class and a professor I admire, I still admire this man, started making some statements about the Bible that weren't true. And I sat there, and I'm like, wait, what? And I was in shock, to be honest, because I wasn't ready for it. And he started saying things. He was so confident in how he said it. He was so strong in how he said it. And I look around, and everybody else is shaking their head. But nothing he said was true. And I'm like, okay, there's my hand. And I honestly got to say this. My hand was up before I knew it, and I'm like, <laughs> you know. yeah." But, but he turned and said, Chuck. And I said, hey, I got to be honest. I respect you so much. And I actually respect you too much to not challenge what you're saying. And he said, why? And he honestly didn't expect it. And so I began to give, I think, very strong evidence that what he was saying was wrong. This guy was so sharp. This guy was so knowledgeable. He wasn't threatened. He wanted the dialogue. He wanted to know more. And so what I found out is that a lot of things that were said at Cal State Fullerton, and I know it's not the only place, uh, about the Bible aren't always accurate. Tracy, tell what happened to you. Yes. In my undergrad, I took a contemporary Christianity class, and it was told almost like I was studying Greek mythology. It was just very, um, it, it just, the professor made it seem like it was so not real. And I was like, am I the only one who... Thinks that this is real. And so, but I for sure did not probably have your, I did not raise my hand and say, hey, professor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe after this, I would be able to do that. Well, and that's the goal that we had, right? Mm -hmm. You and I talked about it, a lot of us Mm -hmm. talked about it. The goal is if you're ever in a setting where somebody begins to challenge the Bible, Do you have enough confidence in the Bible, and do you have enough ability to answer those questions? And by the way, I would say that that, you know whose fault it is you didn't have the answers is us. We didn't teach you well. I didn't Uh, go here at the time,
1: though. Okay, then it's your other
0: church. It's your other church. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, maybe. No. But the bottom line is I, I want you to know I believe the next 10 weeks... We're going to answer those questions that people go on Google and search for an answer for, that are raised at Cal State Fullerton, uh, that are raised at other universities across the country. By the way, sad to say, are even raised at Christian universities. But, but we've had to challenge, Tim, some Christian professors, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah that's right.
0: Yeah, but I want to say this. The, the evidence is in, but you've got to have the evidence. By the way, Hebrews 11 says that our faith is a evidence in things Hope for. Right. There's evidence to our faith. So we need to have that and we need to help, uh, grab hold of that and not miss out on that. And so tonight we're going to ask question number one Is the Bible relevant? Is the Bible relevant? And that's where we're headed. Uh, by the way, I want to start in a place that might surprise you. Uh, true story. Uh, a lady by the name of Stacy Irvine, Stacy Irvine uh, almost ate, ate nothing but chicken nuggets for 15 years. Mm. It was like her exclusive diet, Tim. Chicken nuggets for 15 years. Laura, it's almost like nachos, uh, hot nacho Doritos. What, What? Don't you love those?
1: Cheetos. Can, oh, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> if you guys don't know, there's been times I walked in the office and her hands are all orange. <laughs> right, Fred? <laughs> all right, let's go back to Stacy. Stacy ate almost nothing for 15 years but chicken nuggets from McDonald's. And only very seldom did she uh, accentuate her meal with French fries. Until one night, she, her tongue swelled up, her throat began to constrict, she couldn't breathe, she was rushed to emergency. The doctor said it was one of the most severe cases they'd ever seen. Her, she was strangling herself. Her throat was closing in on itself. She was gasping for air. By the way, she was anemic. Uh, her health was horrible. And uh, once they got enough fluids in her, IVs in her, she stayed in the hospital three days. They warned her. They warned her as sternly as they could, you're going to die. You will die. You do not have much longer to live because you actually are suffering from malnutrition. And a much of what's occurred in your liver, much of what's occurred in your kidneys cannot be reversed. So change now or die. Change now or die. By the way, many of you are probably thinking about a documentary. Did anybody think of it? Oh, you did. You did. It's called Supersized Me. Yeah, 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 you too. Okay, Supersized Me, uh, where a guy ate McDonald's, and I'm not trying to attack McDonald's, but he (laughs) ate McDonald's exclusively uh, for a while, and he gained an incredible amount of weight. He went into obesity. Uh, It was harming his body. What I'm getting at is this. We can eat junk food, and we can actually starve ourselves. We can eat junk food and harm ourselves. We can eat junk food, and waste away. Stacy Irvine by the way had plenty of money. She had plenty of money. She could have afforded any food she wanted. Yet she was starving. She was dying. She was wasting away. And if you're wondering what that has to do with the Bible, listen to what it says in Amos chapter 8 verse 11. It says, behold, the days are coming declares the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine for bread or a thirst for water, but rather for hearing the words of the Lord. Listen to this. Don't miss this part. People will stagger from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They will go to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. In that day, the beautiful virgins and the young men will faint from thirst. Will faint from thirst. Um, it is not just something that's being said. It's a dire warning that's being sounded that the next generation is wasting away in front of our eyes.
1: Hmm.
0: It was happening pre-COVID. It is worse during COVID. I know this. It's not going to change after COVID. Mm -hmm. They're wasting away. Anxiety is at epidemic proportions.
1: Hmm.
0: As bad as the pandemic is, In the area of disease, we are seeing depression rise to a level of being truly pandemic, not just in the United States, but around the world, in the youngest generation. The two highest rates of suicide are committed by the very old and the very young. Mm. And by the way, we know the connection and we know the reason why. But I want you to know self-harm is happening. Why? Because their souls are wasting away. This is what this is saying. The young men, the virgins, the beautiful virgins, by the way. Uh, Meaning, very often we tend to look at people, and I'm not actually uh, advocating this, but we tend to look at people who are more attractive and think they have it better. Let me tell you, they're wasting away too. And they're wasting away because their souls are shriveling. Their souls are wasting away. And we need to know that the reason that's happening is because they do not have the word of God. They don't have God's word and what God's word has for them and what God's word could do for them. But the word of God is relevant today. It is relevant to you. It is vital for you. It is needed for you. And and you probably, if you're watching, don't you're not surprised I would say that. But I'm telling you, I know it's true. Yeah. And right now, many of you are going... Pastor Chuck, I know it's true. Some of you, let me give you this. Some of you, it's okay. You're wondering, is that true? Matter of fact, some of you are wondering, do we even have a soul? Like, why would you say that so quickly? Now, I would say, number one, billions of people agree with me on the idea we have a soul. I just need you to know that. Uh, So if you don't think we do, then you've got to ask, why do billions of people disagree with you? Now, that doesn't make it right because (laughs) sadly, billions of people can be wrong. Uh, We know that over and over. But think about this. There's a, a professor named Adam Grant. He's a doctor of organizational psychology. This man is brilliant. Uh, he has written New York Times bestseller. He te- teaches at Wharton for New York Times bestseller. He teaches at Wharton College, who is part of the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, he is sought after for, for advice and quoted by J.J. Abrams and also by Bill and Belinda Gates. This guy is sharp, man, and I love I love the thoughts he brings, the things he says. And one of the moments, oh, by the way, he's not a Christian, but he, but he said this, and I got very intrigued by it. Actually, I'm going to give Casey credit. She was the one who said, you got to listen to this podcast. And, and it was good. But what happened is he said this. He said, I believe that the universe is way too complex to not have come about and been directed by a spiritual force of at least some kind. And he was open to Christianity. Uh, He was. He's not at a, matter of fact, the guy is amazing. But what he said was so interesting, you might be going, what is it? The key words to me were spiritual force. Mm -hmm. Spiritual force. Mm -hmm. Why did he say spiritual? And here's why. Because something inside him says there's a spiritual aspect to who we are and to the universe we live in. Now, we know there's a physical aspect. By the way, you know there's an emotional aspect. And uh, I'm not going to get off on this. Tracy, I could. But the emotional is actually tied to the spirit. Well, I'm not going to get off on it. It is really tied to the spiritual. But here's the thing I want you to think about. What he was actually talking about is your soul. Hmm. See, you have a soul. Mm -hmm. And just like your physical body needs nourishment, your spiritual side, your soul needs to be fed. And, and right now, the reason so many things might be off in your life is because it's not being fed the way you, you need to feed it. I don't know if this has happened to you recently, and a lot of people are going to tell you it has happened to them. Have you ever been, especially during this COVID season, I bet, Tim, this has happened to you, uh, you've been sitting there midway in the day, you go, something's off. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel good.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, here's, <laughs> maybe you didn't do this, but I did. Have you ever sat there realizing you didn't eat all day? Like, the whole day went by and you forgot to eat? No. Nope. Nope. No. Never? Never? Okay, I'm the only one. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Nicole. Thank you, Nicole. All right, yeah. All right. So, anyway. Okay, we're in this together. Like, uh, we're the only two that work in the room. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Okay. So, anyway. No, Tracy, I, you know this has happened to me a lot. As all of a sudden to be like... I, it's, the whole day's gone by, I haven't eaten anything, mm-hmm. but I'm suffering from it. Um, I, I don't feel right. Something's not on. And, and, you know, some of you are going, but you could afford some of that time. But no, it, you got to do it nutritiously. And here's the thing I want to tell you. Some of you right now, please think about this. This could be you. Something's off. Something's off in your marriage, and you're not sure what it is. Something's off with your kids. And you're thinking something's missing, something's wrong. Something's off in your friendships. Something's off in your profession. And see, I know that in the end, and the Bible will teach you this, the more we dig in, the next 10 weeks you're going to see it. It comes down to, is your soul healthy? And the only one who can give life to your soul is God. The, it comes from a song I love, the Father's heart, right? Yeah. And 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 when you get in connection with the Father's heart, your soul comes from death to life. It begins to grow. It begins to have vitality. It, get, it begins to get strong. And so you and I need that. We need that. And so the Bible, the Bible is where you get that faith. The Bible is what feeds your soul. God gave you the Bible as a gift. By the way, the God is the Bible is a God-given gift to you and me. And I want you to have confidence in it, but I want to start with this. Is it relevant to your life? Yes, mm-hmm. because it feeds your soul. Yeah. It feeds your soul. Froma Walsh is one of my favorite psychologists out of the University of Chicago. And Froma Walsh is an expert in what's called family resilience. Mm-hmm. She's actually an expert in resilience, but, but she's applied it particularly to families. And she she says this, if a family doesn't have a solid foundation of faith, that they tend to be far less resilient if resilient at all. But families with a strong faith uh, tend to be not only resilient, but exceptionally resilient. Faith is one of many key factors in resilience. And, and the, what I would say is that's evidence of that what I'm telling you is true, is the Bible feeds your soul. So, then in the good times, the Bible can guide you. In the hard times, the Bible not only can guide you, it can strengthen you it can can get you somewhere greater. It can give you that faith so you can overcome. So is the Bible relevant to you? Yes, for sure it is. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God or the word of Christ. So here's the thing I want you to know. Where does faith come from? Well, faith comes from a hearing of the word of God, from the digging into the word of God, from the feeding your soul on the word of God, from experiencing that in amazing ways. And, And so what you need to know is the Bible actually is described as food for the soul. It's called the milk and the meat of the word. I actually love that term, the milk and the meat of the word. First uh, Peter chapter two talks about it being the milk of the word. And in first Peter two, verse one, it says this, therefore putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. I could camp out on the all slander one right now. No slander, not on social media, not in Emails, mm-hmm. not at the water cooler, yeah. not on the side, you know, none of those places, no slander. Like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, mm-hmm. so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If, mm-hmm. now notice the term, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting? He talks about tasting, about milk, about feeding. But I, I, I don't want to miss this part. He said, you know what? I want you to be like newborn babes, like newborn babes uh, that long for the milk of the word, the pure milk of the word. Uh, and you know what? If you've ever been around a baby that's hungry, and, uh, that, by the way, a baby that's healthy and hungry, mm-hmm. I loved you already laughed. What do they do? They cry, right? They let you know. Like you can't sleep at night, right, Laura? Yeah, Fred? <laughs> Yeah, who gets up most? Okay, all right. Sage is one cute baby. Wait till you see their baby. He's like, oh, you've seen him. Yeah, oh. Yeah, oh gosh, that baby is so cute. Oh my gosh. And then, of course, Kennedy and Carter are too. Well, I can, can, I'm not going around the room. All right, so anyway, uh, our church has really good-looking babies. Okay. So I just want you to know that. But but you know what? When babies are hungry and they're healthy and hungry, they're going to let you know. And if you the longer you wait, the more they're going to let you know. And they're going to scream, they're going to cry. They're going to they're going to do anything they can because they're craving the they're craving the milk. And if they're being nursed by their moms, they're craving the milk of their mother. Uh, when uh, uh, Rich was born, my wife had a cesarean. Uh, so what happened is Pam, uh, it, okay. I don't want to get too far off. This is really bad. She had a cesarean, and we had a waterbed. I don't know if anybody remembers those. You do, it's not a good idea to put a woman who had a cesarean in a water bed. Okay, you know. All right, so she can't get up for sure, right, uh, at all. Like getting No, Pam, you're probably saying, be quiet. Okay, all right, go back to the story. So what happens? Pam had a cesarean. Our youngest son, Rich, is, our oldest son Rich is born. And so what happened is about, I don't know, 2, 3 in the morning, he's crying and screaming and wanting food. And so that meant, of course, I'm going to get up and go get him and then bring him to Pam. And so I kind of had a routine. I got up at night. I went. I changed him, made sure he was clean and dry. I picked him up. I'd cuddle him. I'd bring him into Pam. It was probably the third or fourth or fifth night he was home. I pick Rich up to bring him to Pam. And I put him next to my face, and he latches on, like he literally—I'm not kidding—and it hurt. It hurt. I'm like, whoa! And, it, and he latched on, and and I and I now I know why Pam would cry during the early days of nursing, and and so he's like wanting the milk, like he wanted it bad. I had a hickey from my my anyway, like newborn babes crave the milk. Yeah. In other words, do we want God's word that much? Do we want God's word with that kind of desire? And I want to say this. This isn't meant to put guilt on you. Uh, uh, If you guys who are brand new and questioning, you're probably just beginning to start. But if you're a born-again believer and you're not craving God's word, I'm I'm trying to say this nicely, your soul isn't healthy. Because a healthy soul would crave the word of God. And the more you get the word, the healthier your soul gets. But get ready, it increases the craving. Mm -hmm. It increases the desire. It gets better and better and better. And so what we want to do is we want to be a church that helps you grow in your knowledge of God's word and your ability to study God's word and your being able to feast on God's word. Uh, So we have four ways we want you to do that. Now this is, I hope it's practical. Number one, uh, we want you to be in the four houses of spiritual formation. So this is where you eat and feast on God's word in four different houses. The first is in your own home. So it's called intentional intimacy, and I'll get into this later, where you spend time reading God's word every day, but it's not just reading God's word. You have the Holy Spirit teach you. So you open yourself up to the teaching the Holy Spirit gives you as you're reading the word of God. So that's That's the first house we want you to be in. The second one is house to house. We want you somehow gathering with other believers so you can be in a place where you interact around God's word. Uh, We call uh, a lot of what we do around here life groups. Uh, Tim, you have a really good life group, right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and and so that's a place where not not just share life, you share God's word together. You feast on God's word together. Uh, The third place we want you to be is what we call the house of worship. That primarily for Crossroads is on Sundays where we gather together, we worship God, we invite you to take communion with us or online, and and we... We dig into God, God's word together, and and you feast on God's word there. And the fourth one is called the house of study. And that's what this Wednesday night's turning into and what we're going to give birth to even more. And that's where we can take you even deeper and deeper and deeper into the doctrine of God's word, the theology of God's word, uh, the deep study in God's word. But we want you feasting in all four places. See, I don't know about you, but I love to eat in different places. Like, I don't eat the same food all the time. Uh, You know, so like some days is fast food days and... Most days is fast food days. And then, and then there's eating at home. And then every now and then, like we just had our 43rd wedding anniversary, mm-hmm. it was Morton's Steakhouse. Yeah. yeah, so we feasted. We feasted. So we want you to feast in all four places. And uh, so we want you growing in God's word that way. But you need to be in the milk of the word yeah. and the meat of the word. That's good. Now, for some of you, what I'm about to tell you is going to be brand new, even though you're a Christian. Even though you've been around a long time, if you're, if you're not a believer or you're just wondering about all this, you might wonder, what is it that many Christians don't understand? Because I'm about to tell you, most people deep down don't know what the meat of God's word is mm-hmm. because they think it's knowledge. And this may surprise you. It's not knowledge. Knowledge isn't bad. But by the way, the Bible does warn that knowledge, does anybody know? Knowledge puffs up.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: there you go, Evan. Yeah, yeah. We've been around people like that, right? Yeah. Knowledge can puff up. So knowledge isn't bad, but knowledge can puff up. But knowledge is not the meat of God's word. So you might be going, okay, well, if it's the milk, what's the meat? Hmm. And uh, listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. And I, brethren, cannot speak to you as to spiritual men, but as men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and are you not walking like mere men? He said, you know what? I can't give you the meat of the word. Why? Because you, you, you have jealousy, you have strife, Um." I'm watching you be that way. In this season that we've been in, my heart is breaking still at the number of people who call themselves Christians and they're spreading strife. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I can tell, you can tell, it's not judgmental that someone's not mature in the faith when they're lashing out, when they're denigrating others, Mm -hmm. when they're hateful. And Paul says, when you start being like that, I can't give you the meat of the word. Wow. By the way, I want to say this. I've been around a lot of people who know a lot of theology and think that's the meat of the word, and it's not. Because you know why? You see, they're mean. They're cruel. They're judgmental. And you could tell someone's not been feasting on the meat of the word when that's what's coming out of them. If it's coming out of me, then I've gotten away from the meat of the word. So the meat of the word is not knowledge. It's not a lot of knowledge, by the way. Although knowledge, again, is not bad. It's something else. Hebrews chapter 5 gives us the answer. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to, and what's the meat? The word of righteousness. The word of righteousness, free as an infant. But solid food belongs to the mature who beca- who because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So the meat of the word is applying the word to my life so that I know the difference between good and evil. I know it's not good for me to be mean to people who disagree with me. I know it's not good to hate my enemy. I know it's not good for me to want something bad to happen to anyone, no matter who they are. I know it's not good for me not to love someone so much that I want them to come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I know it's not good if I divide myself over racism and say mean things to people based on that. Horrible things like that. I know it's not good if I wouldn't care. The violence right now is being inflicted on our Asian American community. And if I have been eating the meat of the word. It rocks my soul that people have to be afraid. Then a 90-year-old woman in San Francisco was thrown to the ground so hard that now the rest of her days, which may not be many, she's not going to be able to move very well. If that doesn't bother me, I haven't been eating the meat of the word Mm -hmm. because I can't see good and evil. And if I can't, Care, care about children who are in detention centers in this country. And some of you say, Chuck, you're being political. No, I'm talking about caring about children that have I really been feasting on the meat of the word. Mm -hmm. When people have to be afraid because of the color of their skin or the way they look or some decisions their parents make, then I can't lie to myself, hopefully, and say I've been eating the meat of the word. The meat of the word is living it. Please don't miss that. It's living a righteous life, having righteous thoughts, having righteous motivations. That's the meat of God's word. It's taking God's word and feeding my soul so I become more like Jesus. I need to look at people the way Jesus does. Even the people that are most vehemently angry with me and mad at me and and want my downfall. Do you know what I need to say? Father, forgive them because I don't know that they know what they're doing. By the way, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, I don't know if this gets you, it gets me. He looked down at the very people who were mocking him and attacking him and called for his crucifixion, tried to make his pain even worse in that moment. He's hanging on the cross with his life being drained from him, and he said those words, Father, forgive them. Let me ask you a question. How many people ask for forgiveness? Not one. Mm -hmm. If I'm I'm someone who's eating and feasting on the meat of the word, you don't have to ask my forgiveness for me to want to forgive you, to want to love you, Mm -hmm. to want to care for you, to turn the other cheek. If I can do anything to help you, even if you do nothing to help me, I would. That's the meat of the word, and and we need to be people who understand that. By the way, when you ask the question, is the Bible relevant to my life? Let me ask you a question right now, if you've wondered that. It's a great question to ask. If you've wondered it, what if you had a book that taught you how to love your enemies, how to care for them, how to not be afraid, how to be able to go and make their lives better? What if everybody in this world began to live by that and apply that to their life? Would we have a, a world that's better? And here's the answer. If everybody would live by the Bible, we'd have a world that's better. Mm -hmm. By the way, uh, Tracy knows this today. I I got to talk to an incredible guy who uh, his family's from Palestine. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, by the way, he's Islamic. He's not even Christian. Neat, neat guy. We had the best time. And so I was thinking, how can I share Jesus with this guy? Because I I mean, I, I always try to do that anyway. But I knew what to go for. I said, I know your family had a really rough time in Palestine. And they did. I said, isn't it interesting that if the Jewish people, and by the way, I love the Jewish people, but if the Jewish people would practice what Jesus said Mm -hmm. and show love to you and love to your family and love to all the Palestinians by making sure they have clean water, by making sure they have medical care, by taking down the border walls, do you think that that you would see peace come in your area of the world? And he said, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. And I said, it wouldn't be interesting that Jesus is the answer. And he goes, yeah, kind of that. And he was really taken by that. And, and I know it's a Holy Spirit moment. See, here's what I want to tell you is the word of God is living it. The word of God is alive. And the meat of the word is when I go and I take that milk I've been learning and it becomes meat when it becomes something I live out in my life. So here's what I want you to know. The Bible is relevant to your life. The Bible is relevant to your life. And you need to know that and you need to cling to that. By the way, listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. By the way, I, I, I love that passage, period. But I want to read it to you in the New Living Translation. So we're going to skip down to the New Living Translation, and I want you to hear how it's worded there. Listen to what it says. All Scripture. We're going to get into this more to know how true this is. I'm going to show you evidence that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed is what it literally means, that God breathed the Word of God, the Bible, into existence. All scripture is inspired by God and useful. So it is relevant to your life to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the word of God, the Bible, to prepare and equip people to do every good thing work. It is so relevant to your life. It is so profitable for your life. It will feed your soul. It will feed your faith. The Bible will show you what is true. It'll make you realize what is wrong. It'll teach you to do what is right. It'll equip you for the God-given purpose that you were created for. It's kind of interesting. Adam Grant even talked about that. He's the professor I quoted, the doctor of psychology I quoted from Wharton. He said that the thing people need to know is their life should have purpose. All psychologists will tell you that. By the way, your wife's a, a counselor. She would tell that too. Every yeah. single person yeah. needs to know their life matters. You yeah. need to know that. But here's what's cool the Bible's the answer to that. That you are created by God with a God given purpose. I would even use the term a destiny to do something amazing. And by the way, more than one thing to make a real difference. To live a life that matters and be filled with the joy of what it means to know that you're someone who makes a positive difference. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And when you are at your worst, when you were at a place that maybe no one else could hardly love you, you may not even be able to love yourself. Jesus Christ loved you. He knew you would be in that place. He knew you'd be in that moment and he died on the cross for your sins. This Bible that I love teaches us about a Jesus who actually was God who came and inhabited flesh and came and lived on this earth to show us the right way to live. So much of the Bible is a description of how he lived. But also to tell us that he died of his own choice as a sacrifice for you and for me So that we could be free from shame, free from guilt. Be healed from the deepest pains that are within us. So our soul could come alive. And he did all of that for a higher purpose than I even just told you. And that higher purpose is so you could be God's child. So God the Father would become your Abba Father. And the word Abba means daddy, or Papa. He wants to be that close to you. He couldn't love you more than he does. And right now, there are some of you, you you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe it's a heart thing. Maybe your heart has just gotten hard right now, and you need to say, God, I've got a hard heart. Forgive me. Let it become soft again. Let it become loving and caring some of you need to say, I've not been a good husband or, or wife. And your kids have watched it. And by the way, it hurts them deeply. What if you said, you know what, I want to change, Lord. I want to recommit or I want to commit my life to you. Some of you right now are single and, and you've wondered, is, is anyone ever going to love you the way you want to be loved? And I want to tell you, I believe God has people for you, but even more, it's Jesus Himself that'll make the difference. So, right now, if you're in a need, right now, if you're ready to open your heart to the Lord, either for the first time or to recommit, then I want you to pray a prayer with me. That's where it begins, is where you pray a prayer and make a commitment. Where you actually, I love this idea of saying this, you define the relationship with the Lord by telling Him, you're really going to be real. You really want his love. You want his forgiveness. So right now, if that's you, I'm going to ask you, would you pray this prayer with me? And all of you who are Christians, I want you to pray for people to say yes to the Lord right now, either for the first time or to recommit. But if that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. Please forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. Please heal me from hurt and pain. Listen to the next part. Say these words. Please free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. Say, I want to be yours. And I want to commit my life to you. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. Amen if you pray that prayer. And I couldn't be more excited for you. But if you pray that prayer, you've got to do something else. You've got to do something that makes a difference, something that shows your faith. Uh, Tracy called it, you've got to do the radical thing. You've got to have done the radical. And, And here's what it is. It may not seem like it, but I want you to go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I say yes, I said yes there. So crossroadschurch.family, click on I said yes, and then we're going to get back to you. We're going to ask your name. It gets a little radical to share your name with us. We're going to send you a book to make your life even better just for free. But we're also gonna wanna interact with you to know the next step that you would wanna take, that God would want you to take because we care about you. We love you. We genuinely love you. So don't hold back. Don't hold out. If you said yes, then go to crossroadschurch.family and let us know. And I do pray, sincerely pray, that God is going to be with you tonight and this week in a very special way. May you know his love. May he call you to your purpose. May you live out what it means to show to other people that they matter, that they have value. And may you give them that gift in Jesus' name. God bless you and have a great week.